in the meeting invite, someone was very, very clever. And they said, can't wait to dive into infidelity. And then they said, <laughs> probably not the right thing to say at this moment. And I that thought was that was me. so funny. Yeah. Everything sucks. Just kidding. Everything is great. No, really. I haven't thought about my ex today. Oh, wait. Hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome back to another edition of the Bad Weather Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, J.P. Hurley, and joining me today, Jonathan Miller. This is the sound of my voice. I am drinking a delicious sparkling ice plus caffeine. Maybe not the greatest thing today. I've had about nine pots of coffee, but hey, we're going to keep this ball rolling, baby. So if I get to jump out early to visit the, the bathroom or something, just that's what's going on. Just go in your pants. Just go. It's warm. All right. No comment. This episode sponsored by Sparkling Ice goes down smooth. It was done smooth. What flavor is that one, by the way? It looks like some kind of fiery color. Strawberry citrus. Now, here's the thing about sparkling ice, you guys, that you might not have known. <laughs> oh, they used all the orange cans used to be good flavors. They had all like the citrusy ones were always orange, and that was always a safe bet. Sometimes you get a weird chemical flavored blue one or something. Steer clear. I love bullshit. those. Yep. The orange ones used to be great. But now I just caught, I caught them now. I caught these guys. They have like a weird watermelon strawberry thing they're putting in an orange can. Can't can't play me like that, strawberry ice. You're not gonna or whoever you are, sparkling ice. You're not gonna play me okay. like that. I'm not not buying not buying your bullshit. Keep your chemicals. This episode is no longer sponsored by Str- sparkling ice. <laughs> They're gonna rip us off the label, I think. <laughs> anyway, you guys, uh, once again, a very special episode. Joining us once again for part two of two, Chelsea from the other woman and the wife. Chelsea, welcome back. Thank you so much for having me back. I'm excited to be back. That was yeah, a quick for- turn. I think we recorded uh, with you maybe, was it three days ago, four days ago now? Uh, yeah. And you guys were already back in my DMs asking, when can you come back? When can you come back? That's I our thing. It. We're pretty pretty thirsty when it comes to podcast guests we like. Yeah. Thirstiest <laughs> man on the planet. Yeah, hey, I just <laughs> can't wait to that. have you guys. I just can't wait to have you guys on my podcast because I think it will be a very enlightening conversation. It's funny because it, while I understand that your audience is primarily the betrayed and mine is primarily the betrayer, they are both very interested in each other's perspectives. Yeah. Oh, 100%. Yeah, I think we'll get into that a little bit today. We already got a little bit of feedback from our first show, um, and I think it, it rolls nicely into the some of the questions we didn't get into last time. So should be good. Hopefully it's very thoughtful and respectful as it was last time. But yeah, I think there's the potential for uh, clash, <laughs> clashing to happen between this, these two. Yeah, but like bases, healthy, so. healthy clashing. Yeah, I hope so. I yeah. 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 Um, it's, it's a good, it's, if you talk with somebody who doesn't share the exact same perspective as you, that's how growth happens. Right. And understanding. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's kind uh, of no goal. growth can really be achieved inside of an echo chamber. I tend to put myself next to people who see the world differently often very much on purpose. Yeah. And that's why we wanted to have you back so quickly is because we were kind of ramping in that direction towards the end of the first one. And it was kind of like, I I need to kind of continue down this path and have a a more robust conversation and maybe develop some flexibility in my point of view, which is always the goal. So love that. Mine too. Um, And if you wouldn't mind too, like I know that um, most of our listeners probably have listened to the first one, but just in case there's some new listeners that don't, um, didn't listen to that first episode with you on it, would you mind giving like a brief introduction once again? Yeah, sure. My name is Chelsea. I am the host of the podcast, The Other Woman and the Wife, which is a podcast centered around understanding why infidelity exists, and what we can learn from it. I also facilitate a private community 
of sorts for people who are currently in affairs to help them gain the support and understanding that they require in order to make moves that serve them and the people that they love. And I also have a coaching program. So I have clients who need individual support and space in order to disclose their internal reality so that they have someone to help sift through with them. I love that. Now, where can people find this information? Uh, com. Love it. Okay. Um, we got, th that's great. Um, we got to get into this stuff. So um, this is going to be a really fun episode, I feel like. Um, and John, just a, a little bit of pre-production, Chelsea and I had, I jumped on her Zoom. There was like a little bit of a miscommunication. I didn't give John the Zoom link, but we jumped on. We're kind of like, let's continue down the road that we started at the end of the podcast. And I want to try to pick up where we left off. So we kind of were talking about the, um, my perspective, which is kind of like the betrayed um, and your perspective from your marriage, your first marriage, uh, which mm -hmm. was the betrayer. And I wanted to kind of talk about that dynamic a little bit. Um, and maybe we could cue it up with like a little bit of a question. Um, you, um, I, I, I don't think that I, I look at a lot of your content on TikTok. by the way, great TikTok follow up. You guys haven't had a chance to check it out. The other woman and the wife, uh, super fun to see this because again, it's giving me that other, other side of the perspective. Um, and I saw a, um, a, like a, one of your recordings on TikTok, and it was a, a listener question or a user question. And I want to start up, start with this because it's nice and easy and then we can roll into it. It's not like a, you know, a, a burning question off the bat. It was a, a listener of yours or a subscriber of yours that says, I just discovered my spouse's affair. Should I tell the other spouse about the affair? You go on to say, definitely not. It's not your business, but I want to discuss this a little bit to kind of get us warmed up for this conversation today. So like, can you talk about why you wouldn't tell the other person's spouse about the affair that's happening? Because yeah. I did. You did. <laughs> I, I fucking did. I like I I didn't waste any time. It was it was uh, same day. Oh, what was the purpose of that? Well, the purpose of it was it was heat of the moment, and I I was I was in less control over my emotions at that moment than I would have been before, and. I just wanted to kind of like even the playing field a little bit, like lash out and say like, you know, you fuck me. So I'm going to fuck you. Well, nobody was fucking me, but uh, from a literal standpoint, but I wanted to kind of like, uh, you know, throw it back at them. And like in hindsight, I've thought about it a lot and I don't fully regret doing that. I partially regret doing that, but I don't fully regret doing that because I kind of wish if the roles were reversed and she had found out about the affair before me, I would have actually liked to know. I'm the type of person that would like to know as soon as possible. So that way, you know, like I can start, you know, resolving things, you know? So I, I'm curious to see like why you wouldn't though. I would not disclose somebody else's infidelity for them because I do think that there is major growth to be had when somebody actually owns their decisions. And and confesses in the way that is authentic to them. So, and the other piece, you know, I have, I have a very in-depth perspective of infidelity now. So saying what I would or wouldn't do doesn't necessarily apply to everybody, right? Like I now have information in excess of 5,000 affairs. So to say that I would disclose somebody else's infidelity for them, right? Like, that's weaponizing somebody else's ability to trust me when really their infidelity has nothing to do with me. Mm -hmm. 
I also think that when you are disclosing something to somebody and you don't know what kind of state they're in mentally, like a lot of the women that I speak with are actually in domestic violence situations. And so their abuser is usually their husband. And if their abuser is notified of the betrayal or the injustice, the way that they respond could be in a life or death situation. And I truly do think that infidelity does not need to have that. And like the way that you responded, right? You were like, I acted on impulse. This wasn't a response. This was a reaction. I wanted to level the playing field. I wanted to make sure that if I had the truth, everybody else had the truth. But then I start to think about it and I'm like, is it my truth to reveal? No, it's not. And like, yes, while my perspective of something that went down might be helpful to somebody else, is it really necessary? And like, wh why am I doing this anyways? Right. So like, it's really interesting because your decision to disclose to somebody else, right. Was based on passion. Mm -hmm. You didn't have the desire to like ruin somebody's life or anything. Passion but and pain. Yeah. 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 And like all of those things come into choices that we make that like, could we have done it differently? Yes. Do we have to regret it? Absolutely not. Like, I think part of being able to make peace with your past is being able to look at yourself with compassion in the moments where you did act out of passion, you mm -hmm. know, which is yeah. so interesting. Because compassion has the word passion in it. Yeah, it does. Can't have compassion without passion. Um, and I guess like I, I still like uh, I always look back on that. Um, it's kind of funny how there are a few milestones. Uh, milestones is too glamorous of a word to look back <laughs> on painful moments. But there were a few milestones along my journey that I look back on. That's one of them. And I, I'm, I'm still kind of torn on whether or not I, I regret doing that. And I, I kind of land on you know, like you're saying, you don't, you shouldn't regret things. It's the way it went down. It's how I chose given the context of the moment, knowing the things that I know now, I might have chosen a different path, mm -hmm. but I didn't know the things that I know now. And, uh, it's kind of fun to kind of look back with different perspective, you know? Oh God. I fucking love how universal the experience of infidelity is for the people who are interested in learning from it, regardless of the role that they played. Right. So like the idea of living in regret you're just kicking yourself in the ass with the past. And that, how does that serve anybody? Like yeah. being able to admit, you know, I didn't know what I didn't know is super powerful. And being able to like, look at yourself at that stage in the game and be like, I can't hate you for making those decisions. Like you did yeah. the best you could. Mm -hmm. Yep. And you, it's like, there's are, a, go ahead, go ahead Miller. Oh, I was just going to say, you guys are both in long-term committed relationships. Now, would you want, someone to reach out to you if something was going on? Absolutely I still, not. I still say no. yes. So we're on. Absolutely yeah. not. God I, I think it might be, that might be determined by your personality. Like I'm, I'm a, the type of person that requires lots of context and like, I need to know those things. Like, I feel like I'm in a need to know position with that. You know, like it, it involves me if something's happening and I can't see it or didn't see it, or I suspect it. Um, it like, let me, let me off the hook or like release me by telling me like what's going on. Because like, I, I will tell you Chelsea that in the months leading up to me discovering the infidelity, 
-hmm. suspected pretty heavily, obviously. Like, I think there's, you know, a certain type of feeling that you have when you think that something is going on. And I had that Your feeling intuition. for a while. Yeah, it's the win intuition. Thank you for putting it's your woman's it. intuition. JP. Yeah, it's my it's my women's intuition. Mm -hmm. And it, like, if the um, the other spouse had told me like, you know, two months before, I would have felt like a, a big weight was lifted off my shoulders. I, I would I would have would have rest easily knowing that I wouldn't have to go through the next several months being suspicious. And I was losing weight. I wasn't eating. I was like, filled with anxiety and stress. Like if I could have relieved myself from those two months of hell by somebody telling me what's going on, I, I take that. And I kind of feel like the other person might want that too. I think that it doesn't change the outcome. Like the outcome the, for sure. No, but the path, right, the journey, so maybe. like theorizing, but like, why would you want to change a journey that was meant for you? Like you, the other thing that I think gets lost when we're having this conversation is the consideration of the fact that like this wasn't just one person's doing right like mm -hmm. the feelings that existed between the two parties who decided to go into an affair together are are two completely separate individuals like I remember after making the choice to cheat I had resented my employer I had resented my emotions I had resented oh, wow. my religion I had resented every single step of my path because I felt like it had led me to a moment of absolute combustion right but like where did where does resenting all of these things actually get me it gets me to a place of self-loathing and self-hatred like how is that serving my purpose in the world? And then once I really started to dig in, I was like, I cannot villainize or glorify any one of these instances. They were an entire experience that had like a wealth of, I'll say, energy inside of them. Things for me to learn, things for me to discover. Like, how can I hate that? I want yeah. to circle back on something you just said, Chelsea. Uh, you said something about um, a journey that's meant for you. And I just want to uh, give a big hug to everybody out there who's going through something like this and and tell them that uh, maybe this isn't a, like it doesn't feel like a journey that's meant for you. Like it like that's your destiny to be cheated on or something like that feels pretty no, awful. No, no, I don't think that there there it is again. Right. Like the the framework in which we look at it is I was cheated on, right? Mm -hmm. When really what happened for you in that moment is the expectations of your marriage completely went off kilter. Mm -hmm. So whenever people start to talk to me about like, I was cheated on, you had no control over that experience. The control that you do have is really heavily focused in the moment that you're in, which is my expectations of my future and my marriage and my current position in life are completely off kilter. And like, how do I, how do I grapple with that? I would say, say more off about kilter off would be, kilter. Yeah, yeah. Well, and, and before you do, I was, was, was going to say Go off ahead. kilter is a very light way to put what I felt. I felt like my shit was burned to the ground and like oh, my, yeah. my family and my house and my my career and my goals and my, you know, everything was just like, yeah, my identity. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, completely burned to the ground. So like, uh, my off kilter was, was destroyed. JP? Um, exactly two years from yesterday, okay. from this recording. 
Oh, so it was exactly God. two years. So it's uh, and, and that's what I discovered. It's um, so fresh. Yeah, I, I've I, I would say that relatively speaking, I've put in a ton of work uh, since then. So, mm-hmm. um, if you were, uh, I, I guess two years could be fresh, but it doesn't feel feel as fresh to me anymore. I felt like the impact and fidelity had on me on a surface level was apparent for at least six years. You mean after the fact? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I went, I went into, I'll say a silo of shame and silence to figure out what the fuck was going on inside of my own world. Right. Because Mm -hmm. the devastation is felt all around. You mentioned, you know, my family was burning to the ground. My house was burning to the ground. All of these emotions, right. They weren't, those things weren't actually happening. What was happening was your expected future of those things was disappearing right in front of you. 100%. And you weren't ready for that. Yeah. Not all in a moment like that. No. Nobody is. Nobody goes into a marriage thinking that infidelity is going to be the path that their marriage takes. No way. No. Yeah. That's the the hopefully last thing you would think is going to happen. And I, our listener, most of our listeners know this, but you don't yet. Um, So I'll disclose this to you just for the sake of context and for our future conversations. Um, but I was married twice. My first marriage ended in infidelity and my second marriage ended in infidelity. Um, so I, I'm, I've become really good at getting cheated on. I say, Oh God, I have to ask, did you pursue your partners or did your partners pursue you? That's a great question. Um, yeah, that is a great question. My first one, I feel like in both cases, they were, they were relatively mutual. My, my first, uh, marriage. Uh, the relationship was 10 years, the marriage was seven years. Um, and, and I pursued her, but it was pretty, um, what's the word I'm thinking of Miller, where it's like given back to you, um, reciprocated. Reciprocated. Mm. And then my second marriage, it was kind of like a little bit of a setup. So like we were, I think we were both kind of like pursuing each other. So it was very mutual, um, on the second one to answer your question. Mm. Is there a connection that you typically see on the pursuit pursuer? Oh my God. So I talked to a lot of betrayed men who are freshly in it. And like one of the guys that I talk with, Sean, we actually did a podcast episode together. He went, he went deep into the trenches of like, I must acquire all of the information around infidelity that exists to this day. And so like he ended up connecting independently with Michelle Langley, like all of this stuff. And whenever him and I talked we talked about how historically like his experience and relationships is he's always being pursued by the woman. Like he's, he is not the one who is in active pursuit of somebody that he wants to be with. And which really kind of like gets at this place where I don't have much experience in the dating world. Like I went from childhood to marriage to affair to second marriage. And so when he talks to me about his experience in the dating world, I'm like, this is so interesting to me because I know so little about it. Yeah, yeah. that's super interesting. As I as I look back, I've thought about this a lot before. I've I've been in most of the long-term relationships, at least before my marriage, where somebody was pursuing me or at least um reached out and made that first connection to me too. And like and even I mean, I'm I'm uh not actively you know, out dating right now, I'm in a little more of a long-term thing right now, but, uh, 
if somebody is not available to me, man, I, I shut that off. Like, I, I don't know. Are there people out there that keep, keep, yeah, we actually, okay. Later today, we're going to be recording a podcast about, um, the movie, the notebook. We're going to talk about the notebook. We're going to review that oh, movie. Thank God. Bad Somebody weather after dark. Okay. And, yeah. <laughs> bad, a that's a special. preview for bad weather after dark, but <laughs> that movie is all about, he, he's like pursuing her and she doesn't like the first 20 oh. minutes of that movie, he's pursuing her and she's just blowing him off and he just keeps ringing that bell. And to some degree, I'm like, is this dude stalking her or it, what's going on? Like in modern society, would that work? Do dudes still do that? And and what is that? Does that work? Chelsea, does that work? No. She said I, she doesn't have a lot of experience. I don't. Well, she talks to a lot of people, though. I do talk to a lot of people. It is interesting, right? Because like that behavior implies that he is consistent. And yeah. persistent, and he is interested. Can't take no in... for an answer, though. Also, <laughs> yeah, there's there's different ways to interpret his behavior, but it's really interesting that you guys even bring up the notebook because it has the theme of infidelity inside of it, and it is celebrated. Which really, I recently wrote a piece about how infidelity is romanticized and glorified within mm -hmm. the entertainment industry and why mm. that is, right? Because like any woman who is watching that movie isn't considering the infidelity plotline. What they are considering is this woman would be happier if she were with him. Yeah, and yeah. so there is this intrinsic happiness feeling where you think, you know, this person shouldn't be with this other person. And then yeah. it just really gets into the whole, like, everybody gets to determine their own life, right? Yeah. Like, everybody gets to determine their own path forward. Yeah, I yeah, agree. Well, and then so the, uh, with the notebook lens on Miller, like this is hilarious because we're going to be talking about all this stuff in our next one, uh, our yeah. next After Dark podcast here. But we got to keep some powder dry for that next show. But we yeah, do. We ahead. do. <laughs> uh, Chelsea, to your point, a lot of a lot of times it is glamorized um, on the silver screen and wherever else. Uh, but I kind of feel like writers do a really good job at like softening the blow a little bit. Like in the case of the notebook, they're like there was this missed opportunity. Like he sent letters to her every day for an entire year and her mom like held them back. It didn't show them. So she gave up because she thought that he did. And he gave up because he thought that she did. And like, like they, there was just, that there is was healthy dude. How much of that is fucking healthy? Yeah. He it's wrote probably, a it's none of it is probably very healthy. That's what I'm exactly, going like. Yeah. That guy kept, kept hammering away at that. Oh yeah. Wall he's and she never, he's the never mailed him back for a year and he kept on mailing those letters. Like, how codependent are we going to let this guy get? And then we're still there. But also like this guy, right? No. Or what is his name? Ryan Gosling? Noah. Yeah. Yeah. I Noah. Ryan Gosling. Oh, it's yes. Noah. Oh, I didn't fuck yeah. it up. Okay, great. Oh, no, you're good. We don't see all the in-between moments when we're watching yeah. a fucking movie, right? Like yeah, this right. guy could have had several women that he was sleeping with all throughout the thing. Just Martha. Like... Just that one poor woman, Martha, who I have lots <laughs> well, to say about as well. I feel like what's his name is, is, uh, got the short end of the stick too. Like, Dude was like a champ. All... Yeah. Um, what the fuck was his name? Lon. Her other Lon. guy. Yeah, Lon no, is also kind of like short end of the stick. Lon... Like he handled well, like a champ too. They did a good job of softening him up a little bit though too because he they, they yeah. give him just enough of a not so okay here's another here's another thing that 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 they did with him he's okay then we gotta stop because we're gonna we're gonna okay, ruin we'll, all of we'll, our material we'll get, off this, yeah. we'll get off the subject but he's not super persistent when when he finds out yeah. that she's been cheating on him he's like well i could go kick his ass or i could uh you know 
uh, whatever. I, he gives her like three options. I could let none you go them, to him. Yeah. None of them. Yeah. But none of them lead back to you. And so I guess it's up to you to decide. And yep, I said, cause I, to, cause I love you. Yeah. I said to the woman I was watching this movie with, if he was real mad and angry and like hot about all this, I think she'd come back to him. Cause that's, Oh, uh, I don't know, man. I don't know. Mm. I think that anger typically repels people. I, I really do. Except I think that, that Ryan Gosling gets mad at her for leaving and then she comes back. But it's Ryan but he Gosling. Doesn't, yeah. He doesn't get mad at her for leaving. <laughs> he, he does. They have a big fight. He gets mad at her for not making a decision. Yeah, he's very transparent with his... I, 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 I'm I a little bit on the Chelsea side, but I am curious to see like, you know, the... I'm interested in what John's saying, but I'm, I'm on the Chelsea side. I'm sorry. Yeah, I get you. I get your point. He does say, what do you want? What do you want? He's getting, he's frustrated. He's not mad. Yeah. It's if you think about it, right, JP, it's the indecision that is infuriating in most cases, right? The, the decision to step outside your marriage is also the decision to not pay attention to your marriage. Mm -hmm. Right. So with the indecision that exists, which I've been reading a lot about, I'll say the stuckness syndrome and like the inability to decide. And mm-hmm. a lot of it is combating fear of change, fear of which like all comes down to logistics. Like you had said, you know, like your house, your your entire lifestyle was going to be crippled by this experience of infidelity. You're two years out now. How's your lifestyle? Um, uh, Man, there's lots of different descriptive words I could use right now, but I would say extremely good, committed, focused, stretched. Great. That's nice. That's really nice, isn't it? Yeah. This lens of perception that you have developed over time. Because two years ago, that's not what you would have said. No, I was yeah, incapable of thinking beyond like two seconds ahead of where I was at. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. So I got to um, bring it back full circle here. In that first episode that we had you guys on for, um, you talked about your experience as the betrayer, and I, I don't know if that's a harsh thing to say or not. I, I apologize if that's not it's a something. Label. That... It's fine. I'm okay. Pretty. Is there a pretty is there a yeah okay? So you talked about that, and then you, and then you go on to say that it you've gotten to where you're at, but not without a lot of work that you put in to kind of like um, understand like why you made those decisions and what you were feeling and what you were thinking in the moments. Mm-hmm. Were there ever, uh, was there ever a time, because you said you went right from your marriage into a relationship with uh, your new partner. Mm-hmm. Was there ever a time throughout the course of the next, you know, months, years, because you just got done saying also that you've, it didn't, you didn't fully recover from that for like six years. Mm-hmm. Was there ever a time where you kind of felt like, um, I might do this again. And you said that too, but also like in the same pocket, like were you ever concerned that he might do it again? Because I, he was in a relationship when you guys met too, right? Oh, certainly. So like, I'll say that like the paranoia and anxiety that existed in the beginning of our relationship was pretty controlling over the way that I had been able to enjoy my life. And, t- and until I fully accepted and look, there are a lot of things that we know that we do not fully accept. Like we can restate, reclaim all of the things, but until you actually accept it and adopt it into the way that you think about life, it's useless information. And so once I had come to the point where I was like, 
the only behavior that is in my control is my own. That paranoia and that anxiety was being fueled by all of these stories that I could tell myself, right? So like one of the things that you had noted was that you find peace and external validation of a truth that you innately feel before you had discovered the affair, you had this intuitive vibe and you had kind of dismissed it, I'll bet, because you didn't want it to be true, right? I, and, I didn't want it to be true and I wanted to give her the benefit of the doubt and obviously the the freedom to make a choice, you know, without me being a jealous husband. Yeah. So I think that whenever we do that, we're we're kind of neglecting ourselves. And I do think that that is kind of at the heart of humans in general, the ones who the ones who never get a chance to actually know themselves. It's like this neglectful experience where you're so concentrated on what you should be doing that you don't understand what you do and why you do it. Mm -hmm. I agree. And it's funny that you say that too, because like uh, this, that struck a chord with me because I'm, I'm remembering those months leading up to yesterday, two years ago, um, when I discovered it, like I had the hard evidence and I was just like, completely blindsided and scraped clean. Even though I suspected it, I was still blindsided. I don't know how to explain that. It's the weirdest feeling. But the months leading up to it, um, knowing like deep down inside, I knew something was happening and I, I, I felt like it was infidelity. But like rather than, you know, address my own needs and focus on myself and, you know, like, you know, focus on self-care, I was outwardly putting way too much effort into like trying to save my marriage. You know, I felt like it was on me to like do everything I possibly like flowers. And, you know, the house was spotless um, at all times and the kids were taken to their events and like it, it was hyperdrive. And it was kind of funny People because in go do ahead, not cheat because of what their spouse does or doesn't do. And, and that became glaringly obvious later on in life for me. But in the moment, I kind of felt like there's a deficiency in this relationship and I need to fix it because I'm a guy and guys fix shit. And that's all we do. That's what, <laughs> that's how our brains are wired. We where can't does, control where it. does that belief come from? Um, it's just like, it, it's how my brain is wired. Like when something seems wrong, I, my instant notion is to go fix it with my hands. And then like, not everything can be fixed that way. And, and it's like, it's, it's a struggle that throughout my entire 45 years of life on this planet that I'm still trying to figure out that it can't always be fixed. Well, or, a lot of it is you don't, But hold on. I want to step in here. It's not yeah. that it can't always be fixed, but maybe it's not your responsibility to fix it. That's probably a better way to phrase it. Yes. Yeah. And a lot I of think it is. That we, we go into these, I'll say spinning our wheels adventures because we think that we have control over an outcome that was never in our control in the first place. Mm -hmm. You're yep. only left with a mountain of anxiety. And yep. it's like, ah, what do I do with this now? And it's like, okay, now I'm free to enjoy life as it is right. and appreciate life for what it is. And that was in, in those months leading up to it, th that was a case where you're exactly right. I swung the pendulum. I tried everything I possibly could to, to save something that wasn't for me to save, you know? And um, she even told me, like, she's like, can you... <laughs> Can you like settle, calm down a little bit? Like I, I see all the things that you're doing and it's really great, but, but I like j just continue on being yourself, you know, like I, normal. I will say, you know, and this is probably a harsh, a harsher thing that I didn't necessarily need to say to my ex, but I was like, I'm so 
I so don't want to see you disrespecting yourself in this season of life that I am in. I really want your actions to be focused on you and what they do for you rather than me being at the center of what it is that you're doing. Because at that point, I felt like I was almost enticing him to disrespect himself. And that was a really difficult thing to grapple with because it ultimately wasn't me. It was whatever idea of me he had and whatever idea of marriage he had and whatever idea of our future together he had. And and pulling that all away from him was very, very hard because I did love him, you know, and like Mm -hmm. to disappoint, I think that if I think about like my biggest wound, I'll say, or my biggest like guilt trip, it is my ability to disappoint others and coming to terms with the fact that like, I will disappoint people in my life has been one of the greatest challenges, the greatest challenge. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's Um, interesting. The, the, I, th- I want to get back to the like, what do you control and what is out of your control, like sorting out that stuff and then sorting out like, when do I need to worry about disappointing people and when I'm, when do I not? I mean, uh, talking specifically as a guy who grew up in the late 80s and came of age in the 90s and early 2000s, like you're on a football field during football practice and you don't want to let the other guys down or you're going to have to run wind sprints or you're on a construction site and you got to get the jackhammering done so that these guys aren't out here till 10 o'clock at night. And, you know, you just kind of come up in a, a bit of a pick yourself up and get the shit done mister kind of mentality um and sorting out like well in a relationship how much of that do you have to control and how much can you let it be and not have to feel some agency or something to do something about it and just let it sit that's all very difficult to sort out i think you know still working on that but um i feel like that's just kind of that can be innate for a lot of people and and a hard thing to sort out I think what I have learned in the process is I need to be less focused on what I don't want to be and way more focused on what it is that I want to be mm-hmm. because it, otherwise it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. If I'm living in fear of disappointing others, you can bet I will disappoint others. Mm-hmm. But if I'm sitting there and I'm thinking like, I want to make sure that the people I love and care for are the people that I actually desire in my midst, that places the action on me. Right. So if we go back to your initial, you know, statement about like what is in your control and what is outside your control, it is in my control to understand how I want to respond in the event that my husband cheats on me. I have that in mind already. His behavior is not in my control. Could he cheat on me? Absolutely. Could I cheat on him? Absolutely. <laughs> Do I want to? Nah. That is a fire that I have already touched once. I don't need to touch it again. And so being able to understand what the prerequisites were for me to step outside the marriage was critical information to make sure that I didn't do it again. Um, can can you, I, can we, can we go into some tough questions now? We're kind of like at that. Oh yeah. yeah minutes remaining. Minutes. Yeah. Let's, can we do some tough stuff? Uh, if you're open to it. Yeah, sure. You, uh, um, by the way, you jump in when your hard stop is and just let us know, like, uh, okay. Uh, well, I mean, I think uncle. that you guys are respectful and thoughtful people. So whenever you guys say hard questions, I'm like, go ahead. 
Okay. <laughs> We're from we the are, Midwest, so our hard questions for, are pretty yeah. easy. <laughs> these are hard questions. I'm, I'm, I'm just assuming, but I, you know, I don't know you well enough to know if these are actually hard or not. But I want to know, in your experience in your first marriage, did you come forward with the information that you were um, stepping outside the marriage or was it was it him that discovered it? I think it was a bit of both. I think that, you know, my relationship with my second husband slash affair partner slash Dan, whatever you want to call him, <laughs> um, it started out as a, a regular old colleague friendship. Like it was nothing. It was nothing with intention behind it other than we work together and we seem to get along fabulously. And like, this was a person that I brought into my home with my ex. Like this was not a intended mm. outcome. And so I think that at one point he had been like, I think you guys are getting a little close, wouldn't you say? And I'm like, oh, he's like a big brother. What are you talking about? Absolute denial. <laughs> Famous last words absolute <laughs> denial of what was going on because I didn't want to believe it either. Right. Like at that point in time, like I wasn't considering my marriage to be in like a weak state or anything. I just figured it was a proper marriage and it could endure anything because we set ourselves up for success mm. within <laughs> yeah. Christianity. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So then once, uh, once I had slept with my my man, I guess. I don't fucking know. What Dan, you're Dan. I think you call him. Yeah. Stan, Stan, the Stanimal. <laughs> she said Stan. Oh, Stan. I think, yeah. oh sorry. Stan. I, Excuse me. Stan. I immediately moved out. I immediately moved out. And so okay. I sent red flags up everywhere. Right. Cause mm -hmm. then at that point I was like, I don't know what I'm doing or even what I want to do. I don't think that I can come to a point where I disclose. And then once I had moved out, I moved into an apartment with a girlfriend, just trying to get myself space. And at this point, affair partners on the other side of the world. So like, that's the other thing. It's like my affair took place in China. And it oh, was wow. when I was traveling quite a bit for work. Um, and there's a lot of context, I'll say, within my life at that point that kind of led to this, I'll say, identity crisis or shift, whatever mm -hmm. you want to call it. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah. And then there came a point where I was like, I woke up one day and I was like, fuck this. I'm telling everything. And so I told him to meet me in my new backyard and I disclosed everything. I told him every little detail that I could muster up because I thought that if he had all of the information, then he would be able to understand. But then this goes right back to what's in my control, what's outside of my control. Mm -hmm. His understanding is not within my control. Oh my God. Not, yeah. What's better? What's better? More context or less? I, I can't answer that. But this is the thing, right? So then whenever I started really deliberating on it, I was like, it's his responsibility to tell me what he needs in order to understand. Sure. Yeah. It's my responsibility to either respond to that request with information that I think is helpful or not. And yeah. like really taking the time to discern the why I would share that information. Yeah. Oh, so, Otherwise, so it's, it's too much information, right? Like, it, yeah. And that's where I'm torn about that because in the moment when I discovered it, I asked for information. I, I wanted it in the moment and I, and I verbally asked for it, but I don't looking back on that. I don't know if it was good in the long run or for my path to healing to, to get that information. And a lot of it I wasn't don't. shared with me anyway, but 
I don't think it is helpful. And the reason I don't think it is helpful is because it doesn't actually change the outcome whatsoever. If mm-hmm. anything, it just helps you develop firmer plot lines within your own imagination, which yeah. your imagination is going to go crazy anyways, right? Yeah. It's going to take this situation that had actually nothing to do with you and mm-hmm. start to try to define the why you caused this, right? And it goes into that self-loathing, that self-hatred. And that's why whenever I talk to betrayed parties, I'm so intent on like, hey, 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 that person's choices had nothing to do with you. And as hard as that is to hear, I get it. I get it. Mm-hmm. Like the idea that I would be removed from a decision that directly impacts me is a uh-huh. hard one to stomach. Yep. But then you get into like self-importance and like being able to determine like how important am I <laughs> inside of somebody else's mind and yeah. why is that important to me? Well, I think it comes back to something I wrote down on my notepad here about 20 seconds ago, which is partnership. Like I, I think it, it's like, how do you view, how do you view a marriage? Do you view it as a partnership? And and is this how you went into it in the first place? And when somebody makes these um these uh these decisions that impact you unilaterally without consideration even of you I, I think it could be really hard to swallow and it's like if if you are somebody who is considering that other person with your decisions and then it turns out they're doing no considering of you it's hard to stomach that but it's so it's like the consideration is there the consideration is there the consideration is I'm not ready to lose this yet. And that's why I'm not out. Well, or it's just, I'm not going to make a decision. So I'm going to be out and in at the same time. Yeah, 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 absolutely. The indecision does come into play. That's but Yeah, that's a lot. That's more of it than anything, I think. Marriage being a partnership, though, like I, I do agree that it is a partnership and you do have to find a compatible partner like I'm I'm still absolutely perplexed that my marriage, which began as an affair, is still standing today and <laughs> yeah. has the strength of connection within it. It is, by all accounts, not what society wanted me to have. Like, I work from home. I have full-time childcare. My husband goes to work. I do not cook every single meal. He does the laundry sometimes. Like I, it's so like up in the air. We don't do big holidays. Like there's no one way for any relationship to fit. And I think that we have this desire to look at something else and be like, oh, this is the way it should work. Instead of being like, actually, what what works for us? Like what works for us as individuals inside this partnership? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, this is all very interesting stuff. Um, a couple more questions and then we got to close it off. Uh, another really hard one. This might be like kind of a burning question after hearing your experiences and knowing that it was like a coworker that was your affair partner. What is now your stance on women, women being able to be friends with men? Now, now I want to clarify that within the same attractiveness range of each other, because if I'm a, like a 350 pound land monster guy, and like, I'm friends with a, a very, very attractive woman. I th- I think the threat of something happening is lower. It's never zero, but it's lower. So within the same scale of attractiveness, what is your stance on men being able to be friends with women or, you know, vice versa? And JP, are you always working against the threat of something potentially happening? 
No, never working. Why against wouldn't a threat, he be? But, but <laughs> never, never, never working against a threat. But I, I believe that in the case of the notebook, and maybe in your case, I don't know. <laughs> there was a point where she was she put herself into a position to fail. There was a threshold that she kind of crossed over, uh, whether or not she was in full control or not. And I'm wondering if like the male female dynamic always presents that threshold or that opportunity. And it's, it's, it's kind of like setting, setting yourself up for failure basically by, by maintaining a friendship with a, an attractive female or vice versa. No, I I mean, I think that you have to know yourself well enough to determine whether physical attraction is something that could pull you in a, in a direction that you don't want to be in. But I rarely think that blanket statements are a one size fits all situation. And as far as me, like I have friendships with people that I value regardless of gender. And if I'm so easily magnated towards somebody else by their physical attraction, I really actually have to delve into how much I value things that are pretty superficial. Like I will say that my ex-husband by external perception would be considered more attractive to my community at that point in time. Like I grew up in a world where everybody was white and everybody needed to marry white people. I am now married to an Asian man and I have half Chinese children. Like, and I couldn't, I couldn't imagine my life any other way, to be honest, because one of the things that I do think gets dismissed a lot within the infidelity conversation is the innate value among connection that is surprising right like I would have never picked my current husband out of a like school picture I wouldn't have been like this is the guy I want to end up with what did happen was I was put into situations where I got to understand the essence of him and he got to understand the essence of me like we saw each other for how we treated the people around us like it had nothing to do with anything else. Like I I don't think that falling in love is a universal experience. And I think that falling in love is an experience that is without calculation. And if you're plotting to get married and you're plotting to date and all of this stuff, like are you really giving yourself the opportunity to allow for a genuine connection with others? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Now this is my last burning question. Uh, I want to throw it over to John for final thoughts and Chelsea, if you need to drop off while we're doing the outro and stuff, feel free to do so. Um, after having said all of the things we've said in the last couple episodes, especially this one, because we've actually gotten down uh, pretty deep this time, I feel like you out of anybody I've ever met before probably has more compassion for infidelity, specifically the, the, the betrayer than anybody I've ever met. Having that been said, what is your stance on infidelity? Can you justify Me? it? Is it justifiable? Is it never? Is it always wrong? Is it Are sometimes wrong? Are you talking wrong? to John Jonathan? Yeah, you, I'm talking to you. So like, oh, what is my stance on infidelity? It exists and we should understand why it exists. I don't think that you can justify an affair. I think that you can understand why an affair occurred and be able to learn and grow from it. I also think that judgment shirks the ability to attain peace. Um, if you think about it, judgment promotes division and uh, understanding promotes peace. 
And I think that if we are so quick to villainize people that we once loved, we are missing the entire point. Like nobody is all encompass a villain, all encompass a superhero. We actually need to humanize these stories in order for them to have the impact that I think is intended. I think that there is a reason for everything. Yeah. And it's our our human ability to discover that reason. Yeah. And I'm I'm all about separating villain from villainous acts. Um, I feel like in the act of infidelity is always wrong. Um, but the person um is is a human, they're doing their best, they're trying what they can. But like the I hate the act, not the human. Yeah. It's really interesting that you feel that way because like I said, the only thing to be dogmatic about is not being dogmatic <laughs> and labeling a choice or a decision or a life story that isn't my own is a cause that I'm not really interested in. And that's not to, that is not to like validate a story that shouldn't be validated or like coddling or enabling or anything like that. I truly think that once you learn how to accept yourself, you are able to make better decisions for yourself and everybody around you. I struggle with the purpose of labeling a decision that isn't mine as right or wrong because it ain't me and it doesn't impact my day to day, right? Like I woke up this morning, I took the dogs for a walk on the beach. I made sure that my laundry was done. And then I came in and I had a podcast interview with you guys. None of that required me to declare somebody else's decision in their life as right or wrong. Yeah, that's tricky yeah. when it impacts you directly, when it's somebody who's blown up your life by decisions they made, though. You can understand that, right? Oh, totally. And I hope I yeah. don't. Like, I probably do come off as callous. And even though that's not my intent... You do a little um, bit. <laughs> I do. I do. I'm wondering if it's awesome. That's what makes it interesting, ADHD. though. <laughs> it does. It does. Well, it's also like, I think the personal piece of my story that I don't share often, and I will go ahead and disclose it to you guys, is my mother was the betrayed spouse in the instance of infidelity. And we ended up with an abandonment situation. Mm. She had gone off the deep end so far that she couldn't be present in the day-to-day. -day. So I almost come at this conversation with my story of origin being like, no, get up, get up. Like, this isn't the end. Please yeah. go show up. Go walk the beach. Go do the laundry. Like, appreciate the world that is around you because it could be gone in an instant. You know? Yeah. And, like, yeah. I, think the, I think the other piece that makes me callous is uh, four years before the affair, I had lost my younger brother to cancer. And watching my father grieve a child has been a profound experience because he was only 22. And what do you do when a child dies? Like, I just think that we give infidelity more power than it actually needs to have. And it starts with us judging people for the way that they react, right? Like JP, I would never judge you for choosing to disclose infidelity to somebody that it impacts. That was a very valid decision in that place of life that you were in. Mm -hmm. But like, if I'm coming at it more objectively and I'll say, I guess indifferent, like I'm pretty indifferent to other people's choices, then I can see how it comes off as callous.
Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's hard to be indifferent uh, to something that affects you, but I can I can understand the health the health benefits to it, or at least <laughs> finding a way past it. Right. Uh, yeah. Arriving at that place takes a lot of time and a lot of yeah. willingness to be alone inside of your thoughts. I think. Mm-hmm. Certainly. Cool. Wrap it. this up, Chelsea. You got something somewhere to be. Yeah, I have to go to the play date. I scheduled a play date for one of my kids. She, we're we're in a new community, and I'm having to establish new community, which sucks. But I'm <laughs> oh, that's it. okay. That's that's fun. Do that. That's the best. It's yeah, just the fun fourth for time I've done it. You know. Uh, I got you. Oh, well, hey, man. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna add a whole lot here, but I just want to thank you again for joining us, Chelsea. Yes, this has been great. We have great talks. They go by fast. Yeah, and man, they'll continue. Any, any more hard questions that you guys have, I'm happy to answer. And if you want to send them prior to, so I can stew on them, I'm glad to. No, never. We want your never. no prep. <laughs> we want, no we prep want your love. raw reaction. Yeah. Why does everyone love my no prep responses? Jeez. <laughs> it's it's real because they're genuine. That's yep. why we don't want anybody yeah, preparing for an interview. We want them to answer truthfully, you know, and yeah. in the moment, slip up in so we moment. can jump all over it. No, thank you so much, Chelsea. <laughs> I, yeah, I do. You guys uh, are so welcome. Uh, I, I do want to once again uh, recap. You can find Chelsea on many different social media platforms, the other woman and the wife. Uh, and that's the the website URL too, right? Yes. The other woman the other, and the wife.com. The other woman and the wife.com. Thank you, Chelsea, so much for joining us. And John, yes. before I close this thing off officially, Chelsea, free, feel free to drop off if you want. Do you have any uh, um, John Miller final thoughts for us or should we just outro it out? Oh man. Well, uh, here's my final thought. Stay tuned, if you, my if, friends, because we are going to talk about the notebook and all <laughs> the delicious, uh, content and betrayals and conflict and, uh, resolution that exists within that beautiful two hours between some geese flying across a river and some more geese flying across a river. That's how it opens and closes. Mm-hmm. Can you just tell me what you want? <laughs> that's well, what, what i want i want, I want you to stay tuned stay tuned you guys and that is the uh bad weather podcast at the end of this episode make sure you follow us on all the social media platforms instagram twitter x whatever the heck you want to call it uh tiktok at bad weather pod check out our website badweatherwellness.com we love you guys thank you so much for listening bye take very good care of yourselves bye-bye i want to forget my bad days Everything sucks.